Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Philip Fletcher. Welcome back to another episode of the Humanity Matters podcast. It is Sunday, August 11th, 2019, and have had the opportunity just for myself just to do a little bit of self-care over the last few days. I've been able to get some rest. I've been tired a lot of work that's been going on with my nonprofit City of Hope Outreach. You can check that out at coho58.org. But it was just time for me to uh, get some rest. So checked out a social media, deleted my Facebook app and my Twitter app and just, you know, just disengaged from, you know, a lot of the noise, uh, you know, that's be coming from all different directions, especially on uh, social media, especially when it comes to your phone. And so it's been good uh, just to be able to clear my thoughts, uh, be able to hear uh, some good thoughts, be able to read. And so I've been digging into uh, some political uh, philosophy uh, lately. My uh, sweet spot is religious philosophy, obviously, and leadership, but it's really been digging in uh, lately to some political philosophy. And so I've been uh, reading up on some Hobbes and some Locke and some Rousseau, looking at different ideas about uh, the social contract and how people organize, uh, especially in the realm of seeking to uh, see a society function in a manner uh, that I would hope would be uh, humanizing and values the individual. And so uh, that's been uh, pretty helpful and it's been helpful just really to understand uh, our current context in the 21st century and how people are interacting with one another, how they are understanding and not understanding how our own government is working here in America and nearer to home here in Arkansas, how our government works in the state and in the city. And it's really important. Uh, I learned over the last uh, couple of years, you know, working um in low-income areas doing community development. Uh, it's good to be charitable. It's good to help out people, but you also have to have some understanding of how uh, the other institutions work, how the political institutions work, how the economic institutions uh, work. Obviously, uh, from my vantage point, how religious institutions work. And so, uh, you know, it's just another uh, brick that's being laid on the foundation of, you know, just how I approach uh, my calling vocation in life to what God has called me to is just to understand the political philosophy and how we ended up here and where we may be headed and uh, the things that we may be doing again, because we are failing to understand history. And, but also there's things in history that we can learn from that maybe we need to apply or, recover and reapply. So that's very uh, helpful. So I've been doing a lot of reading. I've uh, been doing some writing. Go to my website, philipfletcher.org. Posted a new blog post talking about what is this American 
place to me. What is America uh, to me? Uh, check that out. It was really uh, inspired by Du Bois and uh, Langston Hughes and just looking back at uh, their reflections on America, uh, especially from the vantage point of a black American and uh, a black American's relationship to America, but also taking those observations, those reflections from Du Bois and from uh, Langston Hughes and seeing uh, how we can apply that today, uh, looking at America as a house and, and a house that has many rooms. And, you know, right now it looks like many of us are going to our rooms and uh, the room that we're comfortable with and talking about family members in the other room without coming out into the family room or to the kitchen table and having very civil uh, discussions. And so uh, check out that blog post. It's at philipfletcher.org. Just click on that tab. Uh, this Mark Theistic Personalist Reflections. And, you know, just check it out. Leave a comment and I'll respond to you. And so, uh, you know, that's a good segue looking at civility and just really looking at the lay of the land. Uh, it's very important for human beings to understand their context, to understand uh, what it is that's going around their daily lives, what other people are dealing with, what other people are talking about or not talking about. Uh, because these these different situations, they are affecting somebody near us or they're affecting somebody uh, that is outside of our sphere of influence, but it's affecting somebody. And so, you know, the last month has been crazy. You know, immigration, uh, from what I understand uh, from earlier this week, was uh, ice raids happening here in the south in Mississippi and uh, many adults were arrested at their workplace. Uh, persons who are not here uh, legally, who have not gone through the process or who have been overstayed, uh, whatever legality that there was given to them and they were arrested. And an unintended consequence of this action by our federal government was the number of kids who were impacted uh, happening on what I understand was their first day of school. So that's that's crazy where on one end you're trying to uphold the law, but on another end you're creating distress and anguish among children who are simply uh, seeking to learn and to be educated. And I can only imagine that that would uh, hamper the education process. That would diminish the excitement of the first day of school and, and all the things that are associated with that. And uh, you know, just imagine what those parents are going through, leaving home, going to work and then getting arrested and not coming back home. And then students. First day of school. Possibly coming home and there's nobody there because they've been arrested. And so, you know, this whole immigration thing is is something that. We need to dig down deep and have very civil uh, discussion about because it's impacting a lot of people and people are making choices, good and bad choices that are impacting other people. And so these decisions that we're making are not done in isolation. Uh, they are done and it has an effect on society. And that's one of the things about 
the human experience uh, briefly is uh, we are not isolated beings. We are beings who are created uh, to be in relationship. We are beings whose actions impact not just our individual lives, but they do have a second and third order effect on our families, on our communities that we live in, uh, in our cities, states, so on and so forth. And so that's just something to take into consideration. And we think about the inner cities. President Donald Trump, a few weeks ago, in response to Representative Elijah Cummings, uh, President Donald Trump wanted to throw some shade at Congressman Cummings, uh, looking at the Baltimore 7th District that he represents and all of the uh, the blight that is going on. Now, President Trump tweeted this off of a video that he had seen that was done by a, a grassroots journalist. And uh, President Trump took that as a means to respond to Congressman Cummings in regards to some oversight that was being done on President Trump. So it makes you wonder, was this ever really about Baltimore? Was this ever really about the situation of the men, women, and children who are living in the city of Baltimore? Now, I saw the videos firsthand, uh, looked directly at the videos, heard the, the interviews, heard the situation of the men and women who were living in those areas. And as a community developer, uh, one of the things I think is very important as a community developer is that it's important to understand uh, the place and the people. Understanding the place and the people. You understand the place, you look at the geography, you look at uh, the politics of the place, you look at the economics of the place, you look at the history of the place. You know, how did it get started? What is the uh, significant events that that place has experienced in order to understand where it is, where it is today? But even more important is to understand the people and the most important voice is the people that live in those areas. And so it makes me wonder, while persons were getting all up in arms and what uh, Donald Trump was, President Donald Trump was tweeting and Representative Elijah Cummings response is, did did we pay attention to the people that are living in these areas? Or was it more important for us to argue about here's Donald Trump once again being possibly racist or he's being racist or he's demonstrating some type of white supremacist tendency? Did we forget about the people? And I think we moved on. Because have you thought about the people? Have you reached out some form or fashion to the people? Do you know uh, some nonprofit or some ministry that is doing work in Baltimore in that area? Have we considered the voice of those persons who are dealing with the trash, who are dealing with the rats, who are dealing with the uh, housing areas that are shuttered um, and dilapidated? I think that's something for us to consider. And then uh, sadly, last week we had uh, three mass shootings that happened. One in California, uh, my home state. It was in Northern California. Uh, we had one in uh, El Paso, Texas. And then we had one in Dayton, Ohio. All of these 
sad. All of these losses of life, men and women and children who lost their life because um, three men chose, for whatever reason, to take the lives of other people. Men and women and children who are going about their day seeking uh, to enjoy uh, a festivals, going shopping, um, going to a club just to enjoy one another's company and, and enjoy a good time. Uh, these three individuals uh, chose not only to uh, dehumanize themselves by taking lives, but they took dehumanization of the human life to the ultimate level by taking people's lives. And, and largely, that's what murder is. It is, I'm going to dehumanize you to such a degree that I want your life ended. And these men chose to use uh, guns uh, as a means to end the lives of these individuals. So I'm not uh, diminishing uh, the whole discussion about how do we uh, negotiate America's Second Amendment rights in relationship to these mass shootings, I would want us to focus on the fact of one, that men and women and children lost their lives tragically, that two, that these men that committed such acts uh, dehumanized themselves and that they're going to uh, face justice Three, we need to ask ourselves, let's remove the instrument for a second. Um, how, how do we address what is going on in the lives of these men? Now, I'm going to be direct here and, and point out that these mass shootings that have happened over the last few years, and, and if you really look at it, the large degree of mass shootings have been done by uh, young white males, school shootings. Uh, we think of Vegas. He was an older white male. We think of what happened in Parkland. Uh, we think of the three that happened this past week uh, and many others. These are young white males. And so what has been asked in previous years about what's going on with black males now we have to ask the question, what is going on in the hearts and the minds of white males in this demographic that some are choosing to express their hurt, their anguish, their frustration, their hate in a manner that manifests in death? I think that's the question that needs to be answered. Yes, we can have a discussion about access to the tools used to carry out these horrific crimes. But it's important that we also address why such persons are doing these. I think as well, just to, to, to deepen this, is um, within the same week, there was a person in California uh, who did not use a gun to take persons' lives, but he chose to use Knives. Now, I collect knives. I love knives. Um, my exposure to them in the military, I have experience and use, obviously, with a wide range of, of handguns and true assault rifles. 
uh, all the way up to 50 caliber, all the way up to when I was a tank platoon leader, 4-7 Cav Gary Owen, uh, to shooting tanks. So I saw I have a wide range and breadth of understanding and training uh, regarding uh, firearms, but also knives. And this person chose to use knives to take people's lives. And in other countries, uh, persons are using other instruments as well uh, to take people's lives. And so while it's good for us to focus on and have a discussion on the access to guns specifically, we have to have in general a, a very deep, hard, reflective discussion on what is going on in the human spirit. What is going on within the human mind for men, um, especially these white males, to choose to do such a thing? And so, you know, just something for us to uh, consider. And uh, finally, is this, is uh, consider as well these mass shootings. It makes me wonder the rage in the outset and in the, the upsetness. Um, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I understand there are shootings that are going on in a lot of our inner cities. And I'm not trying to make this a black white thing. Uh, but my reflection is this, is that the problems about shootings and um, access to guns, it only seems to be a problem because it is spilled out of the inner cities and is now moved out into the suburban areas, the middle class, upper income type areas. And now it's become a, a issue and it has become a problem. It's a similar thing with drugs in regards to opiates. Uh, before, when we was dealing with crack and heroin, when it was relegated to the inner city, it was treated as a very heavy criminal matter. But now that we've gotten to opiates, now we have we've now have this mindset of we need to take a more rehabilitative approach. What what's the, what's the difference here? What's going on here? I think that's something all of us need to investigate within ourselves, with our political leaders, policymakers, and seek to understand. Now, with all of these immigration, inner cities, mass shootings, you know, Every turn, it seems like everybody is drawing a line and they're like, I'm going to be here. And if you're not coming over here, you know, you're racist. You don't love America. You're not patriotic. Um, you're a white supremacist. Uh, you should just go to some other country, so on and so forth. I mean, where is the civility at? Where is the civility at? So every turn, a line is drawn. And so, you know, even blows my mind, like the response of uh, the Christian community uh, and our responses to this. Now, when I'm saying the Christian community, I'm talking about the whole Christian community. So whether you are evangelical or whether you are progressive, left-leaning, or you're reformed, or you are uh, Roman Catholic, whatever. I'm talking about the whole banner of the Christian faith. Uh, those that uh, profess that Jesus Christ is uh, the Son of God. Uh, those that profess that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Those that profess that Jesus is coming again. Uh, he is the founder of 
of this ancient Near East uh, religion. So um, it seems for evangelicals in general, all right, uh, they are just it doesn't matter what President Trump does, says what he implies, how he behaves as president of the United States. He's kind of just given a pass. But then my question is, where is the moral standard that was applied to President Obama? Where was that moral standard that was applied to President Bill Clinton? Uh, why is President Trump given a pass? Because in giving him a pass, it diminishes the power uh, of what we are trying uh, to communicate. But then I have to look at my progressive Christians, too. Uh Y'all talking about justice and social justice and advocating for the other. Uh, but President Trump, Republicans, conservatives, evangelicals, they are your neighbor. And so you can't talk about loving your neighbor while dehumanizing the president of the United States or someone who uh, is more conservative than you. It's just not lining up. So uh, when we come back from the break, hear a word from our sponsor. Uh, we'll just look at some some possible principles that can lead us toward uh, civility and really take some uh, thoughts from uh, Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, from his text, Chaos or Community. So we shall return in a few minutes. Going on, everybody. It's Dr. Philip Fletcher. Welcome back to the Humanity Matters podcast. Hope you are enjoying what we are talking about today, Civility Revisited. If you have a comment or a question, you can email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. That's Humanity Matters podcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to read anything that I've uh, written on civility, social justice, uh, leadership, visit the website philipfletcher.org. Hey, also visit the website and click on the gear tab where you can uh, purchase some great gear. Uh, T-shirts right now. We're going to have some sweatshirts available when it gets a little colder, uh, but go there, uh, make a purchase and uh, donations are going to be made to my nonprofit, the City of Hope Outreach, where we are seeking to build uh, homes for the homeless and low income uh, persons. So visit that and hey, make a purchase. And so we've been talking about civility and kind of the lay of the land, the context of uh, just what is going on in the last uh, couple of weeks and understanding that what is going on impacts somebody that we know or someone down the line, second or third type relationship. And so it's important for us to understand what is going on with people, understanding what people are talking about or not talking about. But then once we gain an understanding of what people are talking about, what they're believing, what their positions are in life, you know, how do we proceed forward, especially with somebody who is different than us? Now, if you've been listening to me for any period of time, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, on my website, 
here on this podcast, I'm always driving home one that we have a shared, uh, we have a commonality. We are tied together because we are made in the image and likeness of God. We are crowned with royalty and dignity. And so at the fundamental level, we're all the same. But then God, because he's a creative God, we express ourselves differently. You know, we have different skin hues, different nationalities, ethnicities. Uh, Through a series of events and relationships and knowledge, we come at different positions in regards to our economics in regards to if we want to be business owners or teachers or entrepreneurs or we want to do work in the church or some type of religious setting. Uh, We have different political ideologies. And so at some point, we're going to be the other. And the other, at the end of the day, fundamentally, the other is your neighbor. And I believe the other is your neighbor going all the way back because we have a shared identity. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And so understanding that when I'm approaching someone who is the other, who is essentially my neighbor, you know, some things that I've learned is you got to pray. You know, from a Christian understanding, you got to pray. You got to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you uh, strength, humility, listening ears to be generous. But then from there, Remember that the person that you are engaging with has the same dignity as you do. So affirming that dignity, recognizing the beauty and the power that is residing within that man, woman or child. But then from there, learn. So that means we've got to sit down, shut up, open our ears and hear what it is that the person across the table from us is saying, like truly understand what it is that they're saying. If you need to ask a question, then ask a question. But in the midst of this interaction, you're in a posture of listening and learning, asking questions, not trying to formulate a rebuttal, not trying to craft an objection, but earnestly and lovingly listening to that other person. And then the same opportunity is given to you where you have the opportunity to communicate, where that other individual has the opportunity to learn, to listen, to ask questions. And then hopefully the two of you or the groups would find some commonality, would find some common agreement. What do I mean? Well, one of the things I was reflecting on is this. If you look at the whole discussion about immigration and you look at the whole discussion about the Second Amendment and gun control and access to firearms. We'll use the word firearms. At the fundamental level, safety and security is a common agreement. For persons who um, want a immigration policy that doesn't close the border, okay, completely, but doesn't open the border where we just have open borders, people rationally, reasonably um, desire safety and security for themselves, for their family members, 
also their property and the things of their own. Now, the safety and security is not implying that those who are coming across the border, uh, whether they are uh, from Europe or whether they're from Africa or whether they're from Mexico, Central America, that they are uh, first and foremost criminal, but it's to understand um, who it is that is coming in and out of the country. Okay, we're in a global society. Um, we're in a society that's getting closer together, one, because of technology, but two, because of migration patterns for a whole host of different reasons. And because we live in a republic and we uh, live in a situation, in a political situation in which we have elected uh, persons, men and women who go to Washington, D.C., and these and these men and women in Congress are constitutionally charged with establishing immigration policy and laws. And then the president enforces those laws. Um, there are men and women across the United States at the fundamental level who desire safety and security, um, not acting xenophobic, but uh, in, a, in a real sense of sincerity, I believe, uh, want to understand who it is is coming into the country and is going to contribute to the country, but then also have an understanding of those men and women who seek to do harm. Because the understanding is, I have to make this clear understanding, there are men and women uh, out in the world who want to come to the United States and do the United States harm. I understand that from personal experience serving in the military, uh, serving in in, in a number of different uh, environments that there are men and women out there uh, who do want to do harm um, to men and women here in the United States and do not care whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Socialist, Democrat, Socialist, Libertarian. They don't care whether you're Christian, Jew, Mormon, Pentecostal, atheist, agnostic. They don't care whether you live in Hollywood or New York. Uh, whether you like Trump or not, they, there's persons out there that just don't care. And they would take your life without hesitancy. And so uh, that is a concern for some on the immigration side. Now, for those who are on the firearms control, uh, because of the mass shootings, because of the shootings that are happening in the inner cities, there, because of the shootings that are happening in, in some of our schools as of late, there are men and women, rightfully so, who have a concern about their own personal safety and security and the safety and security of their children. That there are men and women who would like to go about their daily lives going to a Walmart or to a fair or to an amusement park and not have to worry about the possibility that there is someone out there who is going to take a firearm and unload on the place and take people's lives. And so there's agreement that can be had, but that agreement can be had only when we go into a conversation with humility, affirm the dignity and worth of the individual that is across the table or has a different position, listen and learn their position, respect their position and get a good understanding. So I would encourage people to 
get off the social media, get off of the bobbleheads on news and do some in-depth reading about why people believe what it is that they believe and ultimately sit down with people and have a first face-to-face conversation uh, with them. Find some common agreement. And then once you find some common agreement, then we can move toward some solutions that affirm the dignity and worth of men and women that are within the uh, framework of the Constitution in the United States. That maintain the safety and security of men and women, whether it's nationally or regards to firearms. And then circling back around again so that men and women and children can flourish as human beings in the context of the United States of America. And so moving forward, the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want chaos or do we want community? How now shall we we live? Um, thinking about uh, another book there, but it's just as appropriate. How now shall we live? Chaos and community. So if we choose to isolate ourselves, if we choose to isolate ourselves on the basis of a political ideology or a religious belief or economic situation uh, or on the basis of ethnicity. Um, what we are essentially saying is, hey, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. We're going to do what we seek to do in accordance with our truth. You're going to do what you seek to do in accordance with your truth. You know, if we seek to isolate ourselves, we begin to uh, deconstruct what it is to interact with human beings and what it is to learn from one another, especially those who are different than us in some form or fashion. If groups choose to isolate themselves to become homogeneous on the basis of, you know, fill in the blank, um, what can happen is you begin to depersonalize other groups, but also you depersonalize yourself within that in-group. You begin to depersonalize yourself because in, in some way, by you cutting off others, you are diminishing yourself. You are down the road of becoming less of a human being instead of becoming more of a human being as you expose yourself to different ideas in a humanizing way. But what would it look like if groups organize in community? And community meaning that in this group, you have a diversity of persons who are seeking to learn from one another, understand, and then apply wisdom that the groups are organized with the understanding of a common truth. So you have this plurality of groups who are organized underneath a common truth, a common understanding. And that common truth is to what these different groups seek to live out. And so in doing so, there is this continual need for affiliation. Hey, I see my brother over here 
Yeah, he votes differently than me, but I need him because he understands this. I need him because the way he looks at life and society, it helps me understand better the way I look at life and society. When groups are organized with a plurality of persons, a diversity of persons, you know, needs are met. You know, I'm a I'm a writer, I'm a thinker, I'm a speaker. Okay? I don't do agrarian type things. I am not a banker, but I need somebody like that. I need a man who can work with his hands and produce out of the ground. I need a woman who can work well with numbers and advise me in regards to how to use my money. And there are things that he and she brings to the table because of cultural influence, ethnic history, political ideology, religious influence that can actually improve my life. Ultimately, it's a humanizing endeavor. So this is civility revisited. Civility revisited. And I think it's important for us as we are moving forward, as we're finishing out uh, 2019, that we seek to understand one another, to have these hard conversations. But to have these hard conversations, not that we would go to our respective corners with our arms folded and our lips uh, folded out, as my mama would say, and we're pouting, but that we would come together at this this table, if you will, enjoy one another's company, listen and learn from one another, celebrate one another, the creativity and distinction that is existing at that table, find common agreement and then move forward together. So that's something for us to think about uh, next time. Um, just some uh, things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be revisiting once again, human dignity as it relates to business, uh, human dignity as it relates to economics. We're going to be picking back up those discussions again. Uh, I saw a post earlier in the week. Uh, someone had posted this lengthy thing about how social justice was destroying America. And I don't, I want to respond to that. And so I don't know where I'm going to respond to that on this podcast or on a video and make it a, a live discussion. But I thought that was uh, an interesting post. Uh, some of it was very uh, misinformed and lacking information, but I think it's something that requires a, a response. Uh, I do understand for some of my SJW brothers and sisters, they can go a little too far left, right? Uh, and they kind of need to be brought back. Uh, but then I also understand for those who are more conservative, their concerns about uh, social justice work. But I think those who are more on the right and conservative need to understand, oh, you know, the pro-life movement is a social justice work. It is. Um, you know, free enterprise in regards to business. That is a social justice work. Um, the Declaration of Independence is a social justice document. It, it really is if you read through it. Um, and so I think uh, that post 
It was posted on Facebook. And, I'll, and I'll, when I get back on social media, um, I will share that in the next uh, coming days. And so I hope that you guys have uh, learned something. And I will catch up with y'all again in the next episode. You guys take care and God bless. This has been Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org, or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible.